The Chicago Bulls lose yet another basketball game, a game in which was close in the fourth quarter and the Bulls briefly had the lead, bringing into question again the heart and determination of this team. The Bulls now travel to Denver to face off against the defending champions. We're going to talk about that game as well and dive into the mailbag. All that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host, Eric Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into the content. So, the Chicago Bulls lose their inaugural uh, opening uh, in-season tournament game to the Brooklyn Nets yesterday, and this was a game in which the Bulls had more than enough chances to win this game. This was a winnable game for the Chicago Bulls with the way that they played and kind of match wits with the Brooklyn Nets throughout most of this game. The Bulls shot a respectable uh, uh, almost 40% from three-point range in this game, and they were able to kind of keep up at times. Now, the separation, as always with the Chicago Bulls, at least this season, happened there in the fourth quarter where it seemed like the Brooklyn Nets just wanted it more. The Bulls also did a pretty good job at really maintaining, well, containing Mikel Bridges and Cam Thomas, the players that came in leading the Brooklyn Nets in scoring. And like always, once again, they allow a role player to go off with Dorian Finney-Smith get 21 points in that. Cam Thomas uh, gets 17. Mikel Bridges does eventually get 20, but he had to go 8 of 17 from the field to do so. The Chicago Bulls just did not do enough. And we did have fairly big nights from DeMar and, and, and Zach Levine both scoring 24 points. Vooch chips in 13 points, most of that coming in the second half from Nikola Vucevic, but it just, it did not work together. And Zach and DeMar, again, once again, shoot a bad percentage from the field. So it is what it is. But when you look at it, right, the Mikael Bridges and Cam Thomas in the first half of this game shot a combined 44%, right? So we did a solid enough job in the first half of this game to be in it, going down in the half, down by one point. But then you look at Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith that combined to go 8 of 18, 7 of 10 in the first half, right, with that from behind the three-point uh, line. It just, the Bulls just, they do some good things, is all. And there are absolutely some good things to take from this game. But at the end of the day, the, the trading baskets back and forth in the fourth quarter, which Billy Donovan did talk about, he said this, I thought in part we really kind of traded baskets back and forth. We couldn't really get stops. Uh, we were scoring, they were scoring. I thought Zach did a good job giving us a chance with Drummond to keep it alive. In terms of the things we were trying to do, I felt like we did them. I felt for the most part that the execution was good coming down the stretch. Again, we just couldn't get stops at all down the stretch. And again, the Chicago Bulls are the can't get right of the NBA. They do some things that are very well and promising. And when, you, and when you're watching the game, you can definitely get caught up in it and say the Bulls are competing. But the thing that, 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 brings it that that is one of the more concerning things with this team is just the fact that when it when the going gets tough and you just need heart and execution or to get stops and just to really kind of outplay the other team we have not really seen the Chicago Bulls do that as of yet throughout their two wins so far this season they, they both were kind of lucky in different ways right and so this Bulls team has lost to teams missing big parts of their rotation starters right this Bulls team has lost to the to the Dallas Mavericks with a team that was absolutely uh, missing out on Kyrie Irving. He didn't play in the game at all. And so when you look at some of the positives with the Chicago Bulls team, you still the, the negatives almost outweigh it. And this is a team, DeMar DeRozan recently said, I'd rather struggle now and, and, and win late than struggle late, right? So I get that mindset and mentality of it, but it's like when you're losing games only because of it, well, not only because of, 
because the other team did get hot. And I don't want to take away anything from the Brooklyn Nets and how they they were able to execute, take advantage of mismatches, things like that, because all those things were true for that team. They came in and they took care of business. I don't want to make it seem like they only won because of our mistakes, but our mistakes helped push them into that direction. We couldn't match it. We can't match energy with teams that just wanted more. And that is probably one of the more concerning things with the Chicago Bulls team is because if you have to bet on it, if a team, if if you doubt your team's ability to want it, right, your team's ability to go out there and just dig in, the basketball IQ overall on this team is piss poor. And, and that's as a collective. You have some players absolutely with solid basketball IQ. But as a team, as a collective, we just can't get it together. And that extends to the coaching staff to a degree as well. Now, like I said, some positives to take away from this team. Uh, the starting lineup looks solid with Torrey Craig out there. I love what they were able to do defensively towards what that, that quote I wrote from Billy Donovan. They really came in with a defensive game plan and executed that defensive game plan for about three and a half quarters. So I want to give them the credit on that. But the execution down the stretch, the when you just need a tough bucket, the Bulls always make it more difficult on themselves than what they need to do. Patrick Williams looking solidly coming off the bench, leading the team in, in plus minus at plus 10. He went four of six shooting with 10 points, uh, 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 what, five rebounds, I think, as well. Um, and, you know, he, he, he played in a way that is indicative of what his role was. Five rebounds, one assist, um, uh, what, one block as well um, in that game from Patrick Williams. So he was playing with energy. Patrick Williams' energy coming off the bench, at least for the first game, was solid, right? But it, it, it comes down to more than that. I know people are going to blame it on the decision-making of Zach and, you know, the, the Bulls making the decision to try to miss the free throw. Ben Simmons with a timely foul at that, right? But it just comes down to, again, the execution and the desire to want it from the Chicago Bulls team, and that sucks. And that's where we stand right now, right? Another loss against a team in a winnable game. This game was winnable for the Chicago Bulls. And I don't care about it being an in-season tournament game. All that doesn't matter to me because it still counts towards the regular season. But this team just does not seem like it has what it takes to get over the hump. And as I said in the post-game show, and I said it over on Locked on Bulls, eventually this front office is going to have to ask them, well, find an answer to some of the tough questions. They're going to have to. And you're going to have to make a decision. Trying to keep maintaining this version of the roster because of a 35 Game glimpse in 2021-22 is not going to cut it. Listen, Kobe, I like Kobe. And Kobe had a big game as well. We wasted a, what, Kobe's best game on the season going 7-17 of 17 with 18 points, right? His best game of the season, at least scoring-wise. We, we wasted that game again, right? So it just it comes down to this. Kobe White is not going to replace Alonzo Ball brought. Nobody is. There are probably like two to three players in the NBA that can replace Alonzo Ball brought to the scene while bringing communication that we need drastically on this team. And so keep trying to maintain this version of the team that you saw that glimpse working with when Alonzo was here. It's going to end up hurting the team even worse down the stretch. And so, listen, I know, I know there are a lot of DeMar lovers, and that's fine. I'm not knocking DeMar as a guy, as a player, or anything. But, but, the way that the, everything that the Bulls are trying to do, play more um-tempo, shoot more threes, spread the ball around, have more players playing off ball, are all things that don't bode well for DeMar DeRozan's game. It just, it doesn't. It doesn't. And so you keep trying to make this thing fit and find different ways to make it fit. The thing that you have to realize is that we can shoot more threes. Shot, what, 28 threes in this game? We can shoot more threes. But the, the, the fundamental, the, the way that this team is built, the way that this team is constructed with the skill set that they have, you have to play in such a particular way that if you're just trying to shoot and force more threes, it's just going to be inefficient. And you have to ask yourself, is the way that you want to play more important than you having players on the, on the court that match that style of play? Because right now we're trying to fit a style of play that, it, that, that it's just not going to be successful with this core that we have. So 
What I'm seeing, man, what, seven games into the season, six games into the season, still a lot of season ahead of us, but hey, it's been a lot of signs for concern, some signs for positivity as well, but I don't think they that they outweigh the signs, the, uh, the signs of concern yet for the Chicago Bulls. Now, with that said, we go into Denver today to face the Denver uh, Nuggets, and this is going to be a, a, a mighty test for the Chicago Bulls. When you look at it, the Denver Nuggets right now are the 17th ranked offense, but the fourth best defense, and they are fourth overall in the NBA in points differential. What does that mean? Why they aren't scoring a ton of points, right? Their defense is so good that they're able to create that distance between the team that they're facing to be able to still win games. They are the best shooting team in the NBA right now by field goal shooting percentage, and they're 17th in the NBA in rebounds per game. They have only four players averaging in double figures on the season, but they balance it out. And we all know everything starts, ends, and begins. Start, ends, and begins. That's, that's, I, I said the same thing. Oh, but it's it's it with Nikola Jokic and how he's the motor that really makes that team go, but do not make any slight about it, right? This is still a team that can absolutely fill it up if they get in the right situations and scenarios. And so with the Chicago Bulls defense being shaky, right, and that's, that's calling it at best, it leaves a lot of room for – the Denver Nuggets to come in and really, well, we're going there, uh, to really embarrass the Chicago Bulls, right? They're going to have to play so good at what they do and control the controllable so well. I just don't know if I've seen it from that level that I can trust this team and what they're trying to do right now, right? And so while um, Vucevic has always played really good against Nikola Jokic, he's always played good, they still tend to get the win, right? So that's something we've we only won in, once in Denver in like the handful of years on top of that. But when you look at it, scoring-wise, most of the scoring load is done by Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. with Aaron Gordon being at 12 points per game, which is only .2 off what Michael Porter Jr. is bringing. This team right now has had very solid relative health as well. So you want the Bulls' defense is going to have to be on point from start to finish in this game. And if we, we can take advantage of anything, we're going to have to try to do it on the boards, really match wits with them on the boards. Like I said, they're the 17th best rebounding team in the NBA. So that leaves some room to where if you can get rebounds, if you can get out in transition and execute your offense well, right, there's a, definitely a way that the Bulls can win this game. But the thing is, is that you don't really trust that yet. The Denver Nuggets are the best team in the league as far as operating as a team and always having somebody that will step up and kill you, even if you do zero in on Jokic, because he's such a smart and intelligent player, he can still get that offense going, even if you turn him into a passer. So, I mean, listen, when it comes down to it, the Bulls, they're going to have to unlock some of that thing that they've showed in spurts defensively over the course of the season. But the biggest thing is, is execution on the offensive side of the ball. You have to execute better. Limit turnovers, right? Take good shots. Pass up good shots for great shots at times. Limit the overpassing. We're going to have to have players that step up big time. We're going to need the core three to all be locked in tonight against the Denver Nuggets. And it's a late game on the West Coast. So it's 9, it's a 9 p.m. start time if you're on the, uh, in, the, uh, in the Eastern time zone, 8 p.m. Chicago time. The Bulls have to be and play a tight brand of defense today. We'll see if they're up to the test and see if losing starts stinging to them enough to where they start stepping it up. We'll see. I, listen, I, you guys know, I already don't predict wins and losses. I talk about things that the Bulls can take advantage of. I don't come into this game, in, into this uh, creative space, and I don't predict wins and losses just because, it, listen, this Bulls team has been so up and down so for, for so long that it's hard to do that. I started off this show, and I would predict wins. I would predict losses, right? I would even try to predict scores, but one thing that I realized is when you have a team as inconsistent as this in their effort and execution, it's hard to predict anything. So the Bulls have some things they can absolutely take advantage of against the Denver Nuggets. The biggest question is, are they? Are they going to? And that is a question that only they can answer, and it may be a different answer every single night. So let's see. Team rebound is going to be a big thing. 
Get to the uh, crash the offensive boards when you can. Get some second chance points. Take advantage of the Denver Nuggets defense before they get a chance to set in. To do that, it means you're going to have to rebound the ball well. Get out in transition. Take advantage of players that do move without the ball. Try to create that those lanes. Those are things that I've said every single day for the Chicago Bulls. And unfortunately, we've seen glimpses of it, but it hasn't been consistent. And whether that's coaching, whether that's the staff, I don't even know anymore, man. But let's see what the Bulls do tonight. But it's Saturday. Even though I've been talking for a long time, it's still time for the mailbag. Let's get into this first one. This one's from Tay Hop. Hey, hey, this is uh, Tay Hollins, man. I was just calling you, um, leaving a message, just saying, you know, I love the show. Man, I watch you every day. You funny. You know, I even like going back and forth with you. But I do just have just something quick, though. Um, my quick thing is I think if they throw Tory Craig in the lineup, maybe shake it up a little bit, um, and they come out with the intensity and ready to play, I mean, tonight I think it's going to be a little different. I think Indiana, they, they, they rolling right now, but I don't think I don't think I don't think that uh Chicago won't be phased by it. It's, we just what three games into the season, so I mean, come on, Bulls Nation, you got to kind of root for our team. But Patrick Williams, please sit him out. He can go to the bench and man, bring Iowa. I'd rather see Iowa out there, man. Patrick Williams is just he's just a body, man. No defense, his defense okay, but other than that, he does nothing. He don't cut, he don't move, he does nothing at all. Well, just keep in mind what I said, man. Thanks again. Listen, th- throughout one game so far, you're right. Torrey Craig brought that right energy, I think, to the starting lineup. Patrick Williams is absolutely better coming off the bench. So I know you had asked, like, uh, what is it, what, what, what does it mean for Patrick Williams? But I say this, he, he played pretty well coming off the bench for this team. And so, you know, if that continues and he can truly find himself coming off the bench, then, hey, let's do it. Now, the thing that I, that I always have a bit of hesitation when it comes down to that is the fact that P- we've moved P. Will to the bench before. And he showed brief glimpses before, but it still hasn't been consistent. If he can turn this into a consistent streak and run, let's hope so, right? For for P. Will's sake and for the team, because if you can have that coming off the bench and it works and the energy's there, shout out to him. I would love to see. Now, Io DeSumo's already out in this game today, so he's not going to be playing. He's not even traveling with the team. But I would love to see the energy that P. Will played with last night, having also the way that Io's played off the bench as well paired with that. I'm really excited to see what that could eventually look like as well. But like I said, throughout one game, you're right. Torrey Craig was the right move to be in that starting line. We didn't get the win, but I like the way that the Bulls are playing out there. Let's go into the next question. We got uh, the next voicemail is from the general, Brandon L. Yo, Hayes, what's going on? Uh, It's Brandon L. Jett, the general. I had a question in regards to our beloved Bulls, of course. Um, I have noticed a few teams have been in their division, actually all four teams. Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code Bull Central, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code Bull Central to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. And, um, I have noticed since Billy yeah, Donovan has came on board as well as this core have been put together and the word continuity has been spread out by our front office, I have noticed that the four other teams continue to make steps to improve themselves. 
obviously, of course, you have, like, the Bucks roster. It has, like, championship aspirations, of course, with a new coach. Um, you have Cleveland's improvement with Donovan Mitchell, as well as the pickups this season of Max Struess and Yang. Obviously, uh, we all just saw, like, the young Pistons, of course, and they got a great coach in Monty Williams and a lot of good young pieces. And then now we're seeing the Pacers who can just flat out score with a young core and a good coach as well. My question to you, Hayes, is do you see a, see any type of chance that the Bulls can legitimately end up in last place up in their division with four teams looking four teams ahead of them, which would be ultimately embarrassing with this core, with this talent, with this coach. Um, let me know what your thoughts are. I appreciate everything that you do for this channel. And um, you have a good Monday. I hope all is well. Peace. Great, great perspective on this. Other teams in the division making moves to get better while the Chicago Bulls brought in Torrey Craig, brought in Javon Carter, and it helps the Bulls in the margins, but they didn't make the sizable moves that those other teams made. And here's what I'll say. At the start of the season, if you would have asked me, do I think the Bulls could finish last in their division? I would have looked at you and said, there is no way that the Bulls are finishing last in a division where the where the, the uh, Detroit Pistons still are, and they're probably still going to struggle this year. But now looking at as the game started are starting to be played, listen, there is a world in which that can happen, and that sucks to be able to say. There's absolutely a, a chance of the Chicago Bulls being the worst team in the division. Right now, the Cleveland Cavaliers have, have like, let's be clear, the Pistons, the Cavs, and the Bulls all sit with two at two and four on the season so far. The, the the Cavs, despite making those moves that you mentioned, haven't really, their different point differential was even worse than the Chicago Bulls. Well, probably not after last night's game. Going into last night's game, it was. But um, so you still have those teams all kind of hovering around the same area. But listen, I would right now, unfortunately, I would bet the Cleveland Cavaliers turn it around before the Chicago Bulls do. And the Detroit Pistons, because of the way that they're coached, I would tend to believe that they have a chance to turn it around before uh, the Chicago Bulls do. So, yes, there is a world and scenario in which the Bulls can finish last in the division. I just hope that we don't see that, right? And if it, if it does come down to it, it may not even just be about talent. It may be about execution. It may be about coach coaching. So, like I said, at some point, AK and Eversley are going to have to try to find answers to the tough questions. And some of those answers may be tough answers as well. And we haven't seen yet if they're going to do that at the level that maybe the Chicago Bulls need them to do it at for us to try to start winning basketball games at a high level so we'll end up seeing brandon l jet but that's a great question there all right let's get into the next one this one is from mike jones hey what's up hey this is mike jones uh i just i just want to know i just need to know from you i just want to know how you what you think about this uh remember about i don't know if it was last year or year before last but when the bulls were really rolling and it looked like that window was wide open for us to go further in the east and the Pistons were shopping Jeremy Grant. Um, there were a couple rumors out there that, you know, Bulls potentially could have traded for Jeremy Grant, but AK was unwilling because he wanted to keep Patrick Williams, um, and the Pistons wanted Patrick Williams. They were going younger, which clearly we've seen they, they have done, and their young core, they're going to be a force. Give them two or three years, you might be looking at the Pistons from, you know, 04, 05 all over again if those guys could really get it together and mesh well. But looking back on everything, would you now, knowing what you know, how would you would you have traded Jeremy Grant, traded for Jeremy Grant, and given up Patrick Williams? Now, mind you, Patrick Williams, his stats right now, he was averaging five points per game, three three rebounds, one assist, 
shooting 33.3% from the field. Jeremy Grant, however, on Portland is she is uh, averaging 18 points, 3.8 rebounds, one assist, 38 point 38 uh, field goal percentage. So I mean, I guess just in the flow of things, you know, if they, if we were going to sell out and go and go veteran, all veterans, I mean, Jeremy Grant would have made more sense with what they're trying to do and with what you have with. DeMar DeRozan and with Zach Levine. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not trying to hate on Pat. I mean, like I said, but it just we just need more than what he can give. And you know, when Tory Craig coming in and taking your minutes from you, I mean, come on, man, that's saying something. I don't know. I'm just kind of down on the team. His lift my spirits, brother. Appreciate you. Okay, so here's the thing. You you know, I'm over analytical. So you had a great question. I know your question was looking back, would you have rather traded for Jeremy Grant? But I have to bring realism into it. So keep in mind, that season, Jeremy Grant was making around $22 million per year. Patrick Williams was making around $8 million a year that season. So the Bulls would have had to include like a Kobe White, uh, Alice Caruso. Plus, keep in mind, the reason why Jeremy Grant was able to be moved and the Detroit Pistons made that move is that they didn't have to take back any salary. The Portland Trailblazers were able to absorb him, I think it was, into a trade exception, and they sent out a first-round pick. So keep in mind, the Bulls would have had a match salary, which means that we would have been giving up more than just P. Will because it wasn't as simple as a P. Will for Jeremy Grant swap. Plus, they the Pistons really wanted draft compensation. Now, could you have said, hey, if we're sending you two young players, that's your draft pick there? Maybe, right? But I think when you look at it, Jeremy Grant, at the end of the day, and I say this, yes, he puts up numbers. The numbers are way better than Patrick Williams. But Jeremy Grant, look at what the Portland Trailblazers did with Jeremy Grant coming to that team. Jeremy Grant is not a player that would have raised the ceiling for the Chicago Bulls very much, in my opinion, because some of the limitations that he had play into the limitations that we already had on this team. You mean to tell me, defensively, Jeremy Grant next to DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, them being the two, three, and the four? Listen, that's a that's barbecue chicken, even worse than what the Chicago Bulls have been. So I don't think that, I still don't think that that would have been the right move for the Bulls, not necessarily because of Patrick Williams, but because of the other things that you would have had to give up in that trade to make it work. And I think that's the sticking point in that to me. It's not just about, because uh, even if you get to the draft compensation, wouldn't have done that. If you tried to uh, include Alex Caruso to make the salary work, didn't want to give up Alex Caruso. Even if you're willing to give up Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant, which is fine, it's not as simple as that one-for-one -one switch. So you're then giving up players that absolutely you probably want to keep on this team. So that's the part that separates it, at least for me, and, wh and why I wouldn't have done it for the Chicago Bulls. And that's why the rumors were never really valid rumors, right? They were never. They were just talks and seeing what the Bulls needed and the fact that there was a player on the market. I don't ever think there was a true interest there because it would have been extremely difficult to make those salaries work. But hey, let me know what you think on that. But all right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Reginald. Hey, hey this is Reginald from Columbus, Georgia. Um, I think the experiment with Patrick Williams is pretty much over. I know uh, you've always been the one to say that uh, AK is not going to trade them because he was their first pick. But outside of defense, he doesn't want to try to do anything anymore. I think mentally he's in his own he's in his own way, uh, almost like Ben Simmons. Like he has all the physical tools, but mentally he's just he's just broken in Chicago. And the best thing for his career is to move him. Uh, what do you think about moving him to a team like Washington for Gallinari and maybe Todd Gibson to be a third center? Uh, I don't know. Just you know, throwing something out there. His contract only worth like nine million, so and you're gonna need someone to place him at four. Or do you think no, just straight up or do I think straight up if it's possible? Uh, thanks for hearing me out. Is the P Will experiment over? No. 
um, because of look how he performed on the bench. And keep in mind, he still played, what, 25 minutes in that game? No, they are not pulling the plug on P. Will. Yes, they are disappointed in his production. Yes, they are disappointed in his level of activity. Yes, they are disappointed in his mindset. But again, AK and Eversley are not going to give. I'm telling you guys, anybody who thinks, hey, well, P. Will, can, he's not going to be moved. He's going to get his second contract. And honestly, it may end up being, and this is from the mindset of the, of the front office. If, P, if they still believe in P. Will's potential, which they do, of course, that comes down every season. And with the way that he's playing now, he's definitely not going to get that money that was rumored that he wanted. So you may end up being able to lock him in, much like with Kobe White, to a reasonable deal. And then if he does grow and that potential does eventually hit, you now have a value contract, which per his production is a value. Now, again, that doesn't look like a surefire thing yet. But again, for a 22-year-old player, again, uh, the, the – the front office, that's probably going to be their mindset. So, no, the people experiment isn't over. It just changes and shifts. But I do think that at some point in time, the prioritization of P. Will is going to be what may, what switches big time, especially with having a player like Julian Phillips that's there, right, and especially if they believe in him and, and that stuff starts being legit for him. That may happen before I think the, the P. Will experiment's completely gone and he's not on the Chicago Bulls. But, all right, let's get into the last voicemail for today. This one's from Jamal. What's up, Hayes? It's your boy Jamal back again. That's voicemail. Three minutes. Let's get into it. Man, this game right here, this game against us was frustrating, man. First in-game, in-season tournament and everything like that, and we take that L. And, you know, I know a lot of people are going to say trade Zach, trade DeMar, trade Vooch, trade Patrick Williams, Kobe White, uh, Alex. I, I get it. I understand. But let me give you, explain what I saw in this game that was the issue. One, you know, the Nets came out hot, torching from three. They they were shooting, making some three-point shots. It was kind of similar to the game we had against the Mavericks where they just got really hot from three. And even if we, as good as we might have shot from three, we just didn't make them when we needed to make them. But that's not what I felt really lost this game because even with the Nets shooting as many threes as they were, we were still in this game for a majority of the game uh, at all. I think they had like a 10 point lead at one point on us, but they never really kind of got to the point where they were blowing us out. Oh, sorry. where they were blowing us out. Here's what I found was the thing that really, really messed us up. It was a lack of high basketball IQ. Okay? High basketball IQ. Booch should have easily ended this game with 25 points and 15 rebounds, or 30 points and 15 rebounds. And yet, for whatever odd reason, we have a bunch of guys out there on the court who do not know how to throw the ball inside the paint to their big men. I don't know if that's a result of playing in this modern NBA where everybody just basically expects the big man to be a win-winning, high-flying, alley-oop catching, uh, shot-blocking big, and that's all they're good for. But you have a legitimate uh, post-score on your team, and nobody wants to feed this man the ball. I saw several different plays where Booch had a mismatch. Hell, even when he had a guy big on him like Finney uh, Smith on him and everything, I'm like, Booch can easily take this dude. As athletic as he is, he's not stopping Booch. And for whatever odd reason, nobody wants to give this man the ball. I'm like, that is ridiculous. And here's the other thing that is the issue when I say high, high basketball IQ. There were exactly, it was like five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and the Bulls were in, uh, in the penalty. They could easily just get fouled and eat up the free throw line, and yet nobody drove the ball inside to attack and try to get this team in foul trouble. I don't understand it. This was a pathetic loss. I'm pissed off. Anyway, be red, go Bulls. Peace. 
rape. The Chicago Bulls collective basketball IQ is not only in the trash, it's in the toilet, it's in the depths of hell, right? And so the, everything that you said is true. Not being able to identify mismatches with Vooch. Not being able to make simple passes. Hell, you remember last year when we couldn't make a simple inbounds play, right, to save our life in fourth quarters? That stuff is still all there for the Chicago Bulls team. And unfortunately, it's not going away anytime soon. And so when you look at this team and the struggles that they are currently going through, it's struggles that we should have expected, right? And a lot of people did expect, and shout out to them for that. This Bulls team needs a drastic change, whether it be coaching, whether it be, uh, not again, they're not going full rebuild, but whether it be trading a couple of these players to bring in a different mix of talent to then seeing what you have going on, right? And again, to what I've been saying throughout all this episode is that the tough questions probably have tough answers. And the, the front office and AK and Eversley eventually have to realize that they got to they gotta face those tough answers head on instead of running from it. Lonzo Ball ain't coming back through that door to all of a sudden make this team work again like it was at the start of the 2021-22 season. It's not happening, right? And honestly, every year that passes, you risk Vooch and DeMar falling off even more because of just age, and it happens to everyone eventually. Does it seem like it's going to happen immediately right now? No, but you never know, right? So this team needs to start shifting the focus to, to the next wave of what that Chicago Bulls team is going to be. Now, that doesn't mean they still can't try to win games or things like that. We'll end up seeing. But this team, when you, when you lack heart, when you lack execution, and you have big holes as far as the personnel on your roster, it makes it really difficult for that. And the basketball, the collective basketball IQ paired with the lack of heart, hey, man, it's, we're in for a long, tough season. As, Bas as Bulls fans this year. And it is what it is. It's going to be a tough season. So dig in, and we'll see how it goes. But that's my time for today, guys. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for our mailbag, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, thanks to you guys. And like I liked in every episode on. Go Bulls. Love you guys. See red if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Break.